don't know if you know this, but we recorded our last episode two weeks ago. Uh-huh. And uh, guess how many episodes I've posted in those two <laughs> weeks? My wife was actually asking me, because she was she had to take a road trip last week. What road trip? And she was looking for podcasts to listen to. And she was like, I remember that you recorded that podcast and I couldn't find it. And I was like, well, I don't think Cody has done any work to it at all. And I don't, and to be perfectly honest, I don't blame him at all because he's the one that did all of the work on the previous podcasts and I did nothing. So we're recording today's episode, August 30th, 2022. So I'd like to say hello to all of our brand new listeners, March, 2027. I, you know, it didn't take me that long to get to, but we got there. We got there. Please, please. Our brand new listener, please. I'm Chris Farrell from the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast, a wacky weekend morning show, part of the Gun and Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out right now. Shows on the network are individually owned and the opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows over at gunandgeeknetwork.com. Today on Game Life Balance US, I talk about my gaming setup at home and John basically tells me what to do. Plus a quick Hades update from the two of us because apparently we're playing the same game uncoordinated for some reason. And then John dives deep into Assassin's Creed Origins. Is it good? Is it bad? You'll have to find out. Don't touch that dial. Don't press stop. Don't stop this show. Keep fucking listening, fucking idiot. <laughs> you do the best intros. You bring quite the audience with you, though. I mean, all of the Curiosity Daily fans, all, none of them are listening to us. Not a single one of them. God, actually. I hope not. God, I hope. I actually got some people might have respected me at some point. Uh, my voice is shot because I was at the iHeartRadio after party at a conference last week and I was screaming at a nightclub for hours. And then Who I was ended the up headliner. Who was the headliner? You were at a big, at a big like party at a big after party. This is the after party. Like iHeartRadio, like the big company, Podcastapalooza. Yeah, it was actually Podcast Stock, uh, the headliner. <laughs> it's once every yeah. 20, 20 years, and there's just shit everywhere all over the floor. Yeah. Well, Jimmy Podrix was there. Oh he God. was good. Really though, was there like an actual concert? Like, were you actually at a club? Did I was at happen? a club, but it, I mean, it was like a. Like a bar club, not like sure. a club club. There wasn't like a stage. It was just a DJ. Okay. You know, like a bar. It was a bar that you would call a club. So they're really going all out for you, for you podcasters. None of the people there had ever been in public. <laughs> I mean, that goes for most of the conferences and, and conventions that we ever go to. So that is fair. That is fair. Um, well, hey, Welcome to Game Life Balance US, the prequel to the Game Life Balance USSR, the American edition of the Australian Game Life Balance podcast, which is better. <laughs> but if I get these two episodes out, we will have actually done more episodes than them in the last two months. Ha! Speaking of the USSR, F's in chat for Gorbachev, who died today, to keep this topical. So F's, F's in chat... <laughs> I'm glad we could bring the world news here to this podcast. This podcast episode is not coming out until at least a month after today when we're recording when Gorbachev passed away, sadly. Rest in peace. I'm Cody Goff, one of your two hosts out of two tonight. Oh, I don't know why I find that so funny. I'm Jonathan Martin, the other host of this podcast. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're new to this. Nobody's going to remember Gorbachev died in a month. Nobody is going I, to remember that. The only reason we even know is because our friend Max knows history. <laughs> but also happened today, right? So that, that's also, that is also why we know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. I look, I'm having big problems at home. We got to we're just jumping right into balancing act. Yeah, tell me about it. What is this what are, like problems with with video games? Video game problems? VGPs? <laughs> I was expecting more of like the oh, right. So like, <laughs> I don't think I have that. I have a transition two. That's pretty intense. And I have transition five. Wow. More intense. You really need the saved by the bell soundboard, I think. This one? Was... <laughs> you're you're like one more of those away in our pod in like our podcast legacy here of us getting DMCA striked and never being able to post a podcast again. We are getting sued so hard. I can't wait. Uh, yeah. Please buy Supergiant Games. Thanks. Uh, no. So we're going to do a little bit of a balancing act because look, you are. Right, I want to talk about home video game setups. We're both dads. We're both in our mid thirties. Generously. That's generous. Generously. Uh, and uh, now my home has a different setup than me. We've, we've mentioned this on the show. I have like two kind of living areas, essentially. You've got like five, like you've got a, a nice big house. And for me, when we had our son, we had this whole thing where we're like, well, I don't really want him near TVs. We don't want him watching screens till he's like two or whatever. Sure. Kind of arbitrary, but whatever. For developmental reasons or who knows, whatever. So I bought a gaming monitor and I set up a gaming setup in our guest room so that I can play games and not dominate the whole living room, right? Because I can't play on the 65-inch TV in the living room if he's awake or he's watching it, right? I mean, that's like the only spot in your house, really, that he has to kind of freely move around, right? Um, uh, upstairs, he can run around a lot now. We Okay. Yeah, there's, there's, there's stuff, but, but it's where we spend but the most of our- for a long time, for a long time, the, li the living room, the kitchen was kind of like the domain where he was able to stay, right? Yeah, so- so I got the gaming monitor set up in the guest room. Great. That's wonderful. Except that now we're having another baby who is going to usurp him from the nursery. And he's moving into the guest room literally this weekend. Well, which by the time we release this episode will have been two and a half years ago. But mm -hmm. we are. Which is congratulations on your third baby as well, then. Yeah, at least by now. Mm, at least. Who knows? The USSR may have come back by now. I don't know. So... I need to move my gaming monitor out of his thing. I'm not going to put it in my office. So one of my bedrooms is converted into an office. I don't want it in the office because I don't want to spend literally all my time in the office, right? Like I'm not going to spend eight to nine hours in my fully remote work and then like just slide my chip. Well, then go play with my son for two hours until he sleeps and then slide on over and like play a game, right? The reason I, the reason I'm not using my TV is very specific. It's because my gaming tower for some reason, will not work with my Xbox One controller. I got a brand new Bluetooth adapter for it that goes right on the motherboard. It will connect Bluetooth devices, but the Xbox One controller is just all laggy and it's garbage. So my gaming laptop, that's not the case. For some reason, it just connects right up. So 
part of me is like, all right, if I just buy like an Xbox controller adapter dongle, then that problem is solved, right? Because I'm not going to play Final Fantasy 14 on my Xbox 360 controller. It's just, you can't go back, right? So that's the one thing I would have to do. And then the other thing is, if I play my Switch downstairs, that's great. This is totally independent because I don't play a Switch on my gaming monitor. But for for the for the living room to be my main gaming setup anyway, I still need to get a Nintendo Switch Pro controller because the Joy-Cons are garbage wirelessly in terms of responsiveness. So I can't play Hades. I'll drop inputs and I'll die. And then I'll get really mad. So I need a Pro controller, which is like 80 bucks. So that's the... So, so all right, let's say I get the dongle and I can play Final Fantasy downstairs, whatever. Do I even need to have my gaming monitor set up anywhere? Like if, if really all I play is Final Fantasy 14 on a controller and some Switch and maybe like Civilization, but I could play that on my laptop. Do I even need my monitor set up? You have at least two gaming setups in your home, if not three. So tell me your secrets. I... I'm a big myself. I'm a big proponent. If you have the space to have a setup for a TV, where you can have game pads attached to it, and then also a setup for mouse and keyboard. Um, yeah, there are some games that I just like. I I cannot play them if I am not playing them with a mouse and keyboard. Civilization is one of them. I could not play Civilization with a game pad. There's no. There's no way. Any first person shooter. This includes, and this includes games like Deep Rock Galactic that I play a lot of, right? Like I, I cannot play that on a gamepad. I mean, I, I try just out of comfort because it is nice to sit on a couch and play games. It is just more comfortable, but like there's a precision element that you get with mouse and keyboard that I feel like you just, you need to have. So for me, I have, because I have the room for it, I've got the desk upstairs with a, with a, you know, a PC up there. And I prefer that just because it has more power so I can games can both look better and play more fluidly. Right. When I'm using that. But if push came to shove. If I didn't have the space for it, I would totally get a laptop and use a mouse and a laptop keyboard for that type of gaming is what I would do. And then I would just have the, the TV as well. But I would kind of in my head, I would always try to have both of those things because there is just. There is, and and you can you can get a similar feel, and I did this for a while by having like a wireless keyboard and a wireless mouse and a lap and a lap desk, right? And you can do that with a TV. At the end of the day, it is I I find it uncomfortable to do that for longer periods of time to have like a floating keyboard and a floating mouse. I don't, oh, yeah, I don't like that for longer sessions of playing games. It's much better to be at a desk in front of a like in front of a screen, in my opinion. So I, I would say if you can manage both of those setups, for me, that's like the way to go is to have at least one of each of those setups. Yeah, it's for me, it's a, an opportunity cost thing because I could put the gaming monitor in my wife's, she's got like a library upstairs. It's like super beautiful hardwood, wood bookcases everywhere. It's great. She does, you know, and I agree, aesthetically having like a, it's a big monitor. It's a, like a 20 some inch large gaming monitor, right? Having that that massive, you know, black mirror on her desk, I think would take away from the aesthetic a little bit. And in terms of those mouse and keyboard games, I the only one I play is Civ. I'm a console gamer. Like I I I'm a controller guy. I play platformers. If I'm playing first person shooters, I'm playing Call of Duty or Halo, and it's on a gamepad. 
So I guess I'm just like, I don't, I don't know that I can justify that when I could just put my gaming laptop on her desk, sit down there and then do that without having like a gigantic monitor there. So no, you game on laptops a lot, right? Cause you've got your gaming, you've brought it over to my house. I mean, so, that laptop, that laptop actually broke. Like it, it physically, I've never had a laptop do this before. That laptop's like seven or eight years old. I still have it and it still technically works. The entire like mantle that the screen attaches to the bottom part of the laptop just like snapped. What did it, you do? You monster. I have two children, so there's a good chance that at some point, the, at some point, they were the creators of some type of issue with that laptop. But no, I really have no idea. Like, I just, I opened it, and it was ca- like something had been caught somehow. Like, a piece of, like, the outer shell of the screen had been caught somehow on the bottom, and then it just cracked. And so now it's like, it's broken. It's busted. I, like, need a new thing. But you used it a lot. I so, did use like, it a lot. So you didn't like you didn't need to have like a 30 inch monitor that you hooked it up to. You could you were you were happy just with your big screen on your laptop sitting around on your lap. It, it wasn't even a big screen on a laptop. It was like a 15 inch. It was yeah, mine's not gigantic. I think yeah, mine. No, it was it was perfect. It was perfect. I feel I feel like your your monitor your screen was bigger than mine because my laptop feels small, but maybe I'm misremembering. No, my lap. I had a really big laptop at one point. That was a long time ago. I got rid of that because it was just too unwieldy to carry around. I really like I really liked this one because it was light and it was portable and I could take it very easily places. And like I said, it's it's dead. It is dead now, unfortunately. All right. So then I think we've answered my question. But do I put the gaming monitor in like storage or do I set it up in the basement? My experience. Exposed, unfinished basement where there are a lot of spiders that scare you. Allowed uh, that scare me and skulltolas. There are some skulltolas down there. I verified it. I killed one. It was gold. You know, let me let me make an aside for a second here. So I walked out. I wake up very early. That's a well-known thing that we've talked about on this podcast. Um, And I walked downstairs today. I was like, "What, what the hell is that sound? And it. It was. It sounded like a cricket because it was a cricket. It was a. As I was walking down the stairs, I'm like, "There's. Like, I, I hear a cricket, right? And like, I'm inside my house, so that doesn't make any sense to me. So I, I walked. I'm walking down the stairs, and the sound is getting louder. And I'm like, "There's a cricket in my house." So I get to the bottom of the stairs, and if it, you've been to my house, on when you get to the bottom of the stairs, on the left is a, a large storeroom, right? An unfinished storeroom. It's just concrete in there. And damn it, if that cricket is not in the storeroom somewhere, which I'm not going to be able to find a cricket in my storeroom, right? Um, But as soon as I got to the bottom of the stairs, it stopped. So it got scared because that's what crickets do. So I was like, well, son of a bitch. Like, I've got this cricket down here. It's going to be chirping all the time. And sure enough, I went and sat on the couch and it just started chirping again instantly. So... I was like, well, I'm going to have to just like live with this now because there's no way I'm going to go find this cricket. I'm not going to find a cricket in my storeroom. Was it uh, a cricket Tulla? But then, then I saw, so I'm, I'm playing games on my TV down there and I, I see a spider like directly in front of my TV, spider bro, just repelling down from the top of my ceiling and to the carpet, right? And I am not, I'm not like a spider killer. They don't generally freak me out at all. So I just like watch Spider Bro come down in front of my TV and land on the floor. And he starts, you know, walking away towards the storeroom. And I'm like, that guy 
that guy right there might take care of my cricket problem. So I'm hoping, because I got, you know, I mean, it's a storeroom. It's an unfinished storeroom that we don't go into. There's spiders all over that thing. So I'm hoping that one of these days, one of my spider bros in there just takes care of that cricket. Wow. As an aside for an unfinished basement. Brutal. That's brutal. Savage. Back to, no, that's what spiders do. Man, spiders are great. Unless they're biting you. Um, here's what I would say to you, though, about your your whole situation. So, like, as a bridge, having your gaming setup down in the basement, go for it, right? Because nobody's using that space. So you might as well. Because if you get if you get the inspiration to, like, play a game on a big screen at some point, and you, it, it'll just be convenient to be able to just walk down there and do it, even if it's for, like, a half an hour. Because if nobody's using your basement... There's no reason kind of not to have it up, up there, right? That's hmm. how I feel about that. Because it's otherwise, it's otherwise the space is just not being utilized right now. Um, if you don't think that's like literally ever going to happen, then I guess pack everything up, right? The other thing, though, I will say is that you have a now two-year-old. Congratulations, by the way. I think he just turned two, right? He, um, well, based on this, he just turned seven. But yeah. Yes. Recording, yeah. Yeah, he just turned two. Um, and you will soon have a, a, have a newborn and that two year old, your two year old is going to get older because that's the way that time works. And as he gets older and starts moving around your house more, he, there's going to be just disaster in your entire house. There just is, because that is what children create. They create disaster and they're amazing and their disasters are amazing too. Let me tell you, but like as beautiful as that library probably is right now, it, it, it will not remain beautiful. Um, not in like a permanent way, not in saying like things are going to be destroyed in your house. That's not the type of disaster I am. I am referring to, but like, sure. but like the, keeping anything clean and tidy, let's say tidy. Let's not say even clean. Let's say like tidied up, keeping things tidy when you have one kid that is like mobile and doing stuff, let alone two kids that are mobile and like doing stuff and picking stuff up around the house is a literal impossibility mm. unless, unless somebody is constantly following them around and driving themselves crazy, trying to pick up after their children. So I, I would say like, if your concern is the aesthetics of one of your room, you should just throw all of those concerns out the window because there's nothing going to be aesthetically pleasing about anything in your house <laughs> in about in about four years. It's just the way it works. Like we're we're biding our time until our children are a little older to where we can kind of like repaint things, but we just we keep telling ourselves there's literally no reason to do that right now. There's no reason. It is just it is just going to get like dirty and and gross again in five minutes. Yeah. So. That's like, that is, as as the father of an eight and a four-year-old who are a little bit further on than your kids, that's just like- He's we're, eight? He is, yeah. He is How eight. did he turn eight? He did turn, he looks really old. You should see, if you look at pictures of him, he looks like he's like 12. Yeah, it terrifies me every time I see him in pictures. But my point is that like, you you may have a grand plan to keep things looking neat and tidy and spiffy. Uh yeah, yeah, it's just it. No, it's it's fair actually. When we ordered our kitchen table when we moved into our house from Wayfair, it was not the right color. Like it's an awful color. It's probably <laughs> the like if you had to pick a color and be like, what is the worst color for this hardwood floor? It it it's the worst color. It's the worst color. 
And it feels uh, like you shouldn't have picked a bad color for your table. Well, it was a great color in the pictures, but when <laughs> okay. that's what happens when you buy on the internet. And uh, it arrived, and my wife was like, this is not what I wanted. And I hated it so much I wanted to return it, but we had already assembled it because whatever. Okay. Uh, and then it turns out that, I mean, you want to talk about children destroying things, you know this. The table, like, just forget about it. There's no way. Your 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 table is actually in amazing shape. Can, no, can... <laughs> no, it is not. No, it is not. You look at my table. When, when Henry first started using utensils, my younger, when my younger son first started using utensils, he would take a fork and he would just pound it on the table. <laughs> like both tong side down and handle side down. He would just pound it repeatedly on the table. And you, if you look at that table, it is just divots. It's divots all over the table from the different spots that he sat in. No, there is no hope. There is no hope for furniture. I, I hope you do not think you're going to keep whatever furniture you have now. Uh, yeah, it is like no way. Okay, fair. All right, I might just pack up that monitor and stick it away. Maybe I'll put it in my wife's office. We'll see. Kind of depends. It was really the one other option that we had is like if we didn't want it out, we could get a cabinet to put upstairs, right? Like a TV cabinet. Mm -hmm. So my parents gave me the video game cabinet that I literally played NES on when I was like four through like 18. You have played on that cabinet for many hours. For sure. So there was a thought floated around of like, maybe we move that upstairs and I literally use a video game cabinet again <laughs> because the monitor is just wide enough for it. And it's just like the thought of that just returned to form just like 30 years, literally 30 years later. Like, yeah, it's usually the same thing. There's something like, there's something kind of sweet and poetic to that though, right? Of, of like, this was this was what I grew up with, and now and your kids will eventually play video games. I mean, they just will, especially if you were playing them in front of them. I just don't think that there's any possibility of of a kid not getting interested in them at least, and at least trying them. And the idea of like your own kid then playing video games on the same cabinet that you played video games on uh, seems like kind of a sweet thing. That's kind of I I don't know. I like I like that idea. You've had me excited for my kids to grow. I mean, I don't want them to grow up faster, but like you got me excited for the stage where they're like watching me play games or sharing games. Like that's, that's rad. That's rad, dude. It is super fun. I, I need to take two, I need to take two minutes and I'm sorry for that, but I will be right back. You stole me for time. Oh my God. I'll be right back. Sean needs to pause from the recording. I don't know if I'm going to keep this in the final episode or not. I'm sorry about that. So my dog, my, my wife just got home and could not find our dog. And my dog, when my wife is gone, is very, very anxious, like incredibly anxious and has escaped from this house and gone looking for her multiple times. Wait, how does she escape from the house? So there's 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 multiple ways she's escaped from the house. Uh, one time um, we had some contractors over here that were working on our bathroom and they left the front door open. Um, when we were not home and she escaped. So that was, that was one, one instance. Uh, second instance was she, um, she opened the garage. So she, she can open doors with handles. Um, cause she is just, she is a smart dog and she is a strong dog and she's kind of big. Uh, and so she got up 
And she opened the garage door, the door that leads into our garage. And our garage was open at the time. And she just kind of waltzed out the garage and, and ran away that way. Uh, and then the third time, she busted through the screen in the living room when the window was open mm. um, and just scratched a giant hole in that and jumped, j- jumped through the screen uh, to go to go meandering. So anyway, Casey just came home. She was at a dinner and she was looking for Junie. And I thought there was a good chance that Junie had somehow found a way out of this house because she is crafty like that. So I apologize for that. But where's the dog? She, I don't know. She was here. Of course she was here. Of course. Wow. Of course she was. No, it's cool. I, I did nothing in your absence of note. Excellent. Well, I would encourage you, listener, to email us at... Uh, un- what is it? What is unqualif- our this is your it, this is your domain. This is not my domain. This is your you domain. Don't st- you don't still have that email address on your like phone or anything? I mean, I assume I kind of assumed it was on our like outlines, you know, with the things that we always talk about. But uh, no. it's really it's just it's kind of not there. It's kind of not. There. I f- see. I we get so much spam there. I just assumed that you use it to just sign up for like mailing lists and stuff. I no. I sign up for a lot of pornography using that using that email. A ton of it actually. So it could just be a lot of that. Okay. Uh, what unqualified uh, unqualified podcast at gmail dot at geocities dot us dot com. That sounds right. Yeah. No, we our original podcast title was unqualified a video game podcast, which then became unqualified gamers, and now it's Game Life Balance US. So un, our email address is unqualified podcast at gmail dot com. Please. Let us know what you have done with your gaming setup or learned as you've become a parent when you were older. Man, it was so much easier for people to give us feedback when we were on Google Plus, which sounds stupid because like it died, but like <laughs> we had a we had a lot of people on Google Plus follow us. We had a community, we talked to people, we had guests from it. Like that was a rad s- s- point in time. That was I miss it. It's un- well, much like a lot of the other things that Google tries to do, they uh, they killed it after however many years, right? Of basically what felt like no support, because that is just kind of what they do. Stupid. Well, rip Google Plus, but email us, and we'll read your emails on future things. F Maybe one for of the- Gorbachev. F for Google Plus. Oh sure, and but not F for. Well, actually, yes, because. That's how the alphabet works. And F for full gamer. The soundboard is worse. It's just, and I don't, I didn't think the way you did things could be worse, but the soundboard really just makes it worse. Yeah, you don't have any games to talk about this week. I'll talk about one for a little bit here. Um, yeah, I'm just still playing Hades, so. Yeah, I I still play a run occasionally of that, which is crazy that, like, I still am going back to that game. I, it's just, it does blow my mind that, like, I can sit down and do a run in 30, and 40, 30 to 45 minutes. And I really only want to do, like, one at a time now. When Wait, I do are you run. good at it, though? Like, what, do you put the heat gauge way up, or? It's, I go, it's at, like, six right now on the save that I'm at. Okay. Um, so it's not, like, crazy. Um, Real th- quick, what, which which heats, which, which ones do you you lean towards? So I if if I can hit the next, I'm at like level six with all of my stuff. So I'm doing level sixes right now. And if if I can hit the heat gauge with just the the one that makes the bosses harder, I always go with that one because they're silly and fun. Yep. 
Yep. So I'll always go with those first. So right now I'm able to get it up to six heat gauge by just doing the th- the first three bosses. But then I'll start adding in, peppering in some other things. And then once I get to 10, I'll just go do the Hades one. Right. I'll go. And then that'll be like my base. Because if you go all the way up to have Hades be extra hard, it's 10 heat. So that'll yeah. be my my base. And then I'll just start like doing other ones as I get up higher. Cool. So that'll, take a very, yeah. that'll take a very long time. I think on the very first save that I was playing before I started over again, I, I had like heat 20 something for all of my weapons. So I played that game a lot. I had played it a ton that first on that first save. Wow. Anyway, I just and I don't I don't really want to spend a lot of time on Hades, but that game still every single run feels awesome and like super different. And yeah. I it's just it's crazy that that game can be replayed as many times as it is. And like there's still di- and there's there's still dialogue that like. I certainly would never remember all of the dialogue from the first time I played that game, but there's still new dialogue all the time. And I've played, I've had, I've got 60 runs of that game in this file that I'm on, like something like that. It's like 60 runs. And there's still like new dialogue all the time with the characters all the time. There's just the amount of stuff that they put in that game and how well polished it is. It it consistently kind of blows me away. I agree with that. But that's not the game that I was going to talk about. Yeah, well, then talk about the game you were going to talk about, you cricket-killing spider collector, Skultola fan. If I do not kill the cricket, am I the murderer? If I allow a spider to kill a cricket, am I a cricket murderer? Or is the spider the cricket murderer? If every piece of the cricket is replaced one at a time, is it the same cricket? All right, this is a th- yeah, this is a thought experiment, isn't it? Yeah, I know. It's a thought. It's a, you're a thought leader. That's what you led that conversation it's well. True. That's Stop true. hitting the table with your hand. I both fell in love with. I'm going to kill you if you hit the table with your hand one more time. I both fell in love with and fell out of love with Assassin's Creed Origin, which if you know anything about the Assassin's Creed games, let's say if you know nothing about the Assassin's Creed games, there were Assassin's Creed can be kind of divided. It's a series with, I don't, I don't know, 15 different games now. It's got a ridiculous amount of, of titles in the franchise. But it can really be kind of divided into two different um, two different eras. There was, this, there was this era that was all the way up until about 2017. And it, the first game came was one of like the first titles for the Xbox 360. So it was a, it's an old game, 2000, probably five, six, seven, somewhere in there. Um, that was the very first game. Uh, and this, this era of the, of the Assassin's Creed franchise was all, all of the games were relatively the same. Um, and they were structured the same way you were in like a really dense city most of the time. Um, and you would have a bunch of stuff to do and, and combat was a very specific way and they would, you know, you'd have 25 guys attack you at the same time. You'd be able to kill all of them, et cetera. So like it was, it was a very like specific type of power fantasy, and you were a specific type of assassin, very crafty, very able to slip in, the, in and out of the shadows, things like that. You're kind of a badass, right? Um, the I got games- some power fantasies, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I wish Let's I go, had, dude. I wish I had a soundboard. So the, the then in 2017, they were like, okay, we, we realize that Assassin's Creed is getting stale. Because it was getting stale, right? Um, and I probably played four to four or five, maybe six of those games over the course of all of those years. Um, cause I, I did enjoy them. Um, but I was over it 
but I was over it like a long time ago, probably in like the 2013, 2014 range. I didn't pick it up any of the titles up uh, after that. So in 2017, they were like, we're going to kind of reinvent what Assassin's Creed is. And we're going to change the combat style. We're going to change kind of the way we do quests. We're going to change all, all sorts of stuff. And I still wasn't excited about it because I still was kind of over the whole Assassin's Creed thing, right? So the very first game in this new, they've got three that have come out in this new era. Assassin's Creed Origins was the first. Then there was Assassin's Creed Odyssey and then Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I think it was Valhalla. Um, and the first one, Origins, was set was set in, in Egypt. And uh, I had never played it, but it just hit Game Pass, which I've talked about. I literally talked about it last week. Uh, and I've talked about it plenty of other times. Um, and so it the barrier to entry is nothing because I'm already paying for Game Pass. Um, and I was looking for something new to play because I was just playing Hades. And I was like, I can't just play Hades for like the next two months. Like You I could. Need, you I could, could, though. I could. But like I, 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 I am. I want to try to like push out and like have new new experiences of some kind. So I was like, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna try this because now the barrier to entry is nothing. And I heard good things about this, so I downloaded it. And again, it uh, it takes place in Egypt, and the main character is he's he's named Bayek, and he's he's this he's a great character. Like he's honestly the probably the best character that I've seen them write maybe the second best character I've seen them write in an Assassin's Creed game. Like he's just, he's really lovable. He has a great sense of honor. He has a pretty tragic story, you know, like this, this cabal of people in ancient Egypt killed his, killed his son and he's out for revenge and his wife, his wife is also out for revenge. So you like meet up with her at random times in the story and you talk about the people that you've killed. Also, she's incredibly turned on by murder. So, um, Basically, every time you meet, there's a sexual encounter when uh, after you've murdered somebody, which I just love. I think it's touching. It's a really touching story, but it's it's done. It's done well. This like the story's told well and everything. Um, and it is gorgeous. Like I've got I've got that PC downstairs with a 3080 in it. I've got all of the graphics options turned up the ray tracing like the stuff that is happening with lighting in AAA games right now is incredible. Like when you go from a spot, from a place of brightness to a place of darkness, and then you kind of turn and look at the way that transitions, and it it is so like movie and lifelike. It is it is bonkers, right? It's it looks awesome. So the game is beautiful, and I mean Egypt. Egypt is very desert, but it is also beautiful because it takes place around the Nile, which there's a lot of fertile land around the, around the Nile back then. Right. So looks really great. Um, and that really drew me to it kind of right away. I was like, man, I can't believe how good this looks. I just, I, I still, uh, most of the games that I play are still kind of indie titles, small titles that, that are, they don't have the budgets to have the ridiculous, the ridiculous, ridiculous, like graphic quality that some of these larger titles have. So like when I do play these games now, they still really blow me away. So, um, been looking at it. I was like, man, this looks really great. I'm going to like mess around with this. And I started playing it and I was like, okay, I kind of like remember the trappings of the way of an open world game works. So I did the thing where like I did the intro and then I got a couple of weapons and then it was like, okay, now like here's the, here's the marks on your map. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's the thing that open world games do. They give you lots of marks on your map. So I start going to like the 
you like know, we talked about last week with like uh like an Elder Scrolls Horizon Zero Dawn, like that that same kind of Right. They mark a bunch of stuff on your map. You got the main quest and the side quest, that kind of. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And so this has side quests. It's got your main quest. It's got your side quest. And then it's got all of these individual little areas that have their own objectives. So like you can ride up. They're all, they're all question marks on your map and you can ride up to the question mark and they're all over. I mean, there's, there's 20 per little city that you go to. Um, and it's also Egypt in ancient times. So like nothing is built tall other than the pyramids. Um, it's all built kind of wide and there's just like endless desert, just endless desert. Um, so it's really unlike any other Assassin's Creed I've played before because most of them are really dense, like European cities that they take place in. This is just like a, a wide desert of, of open land. So very different from what I'm used to with these games. Um, but, you know, I'm just like going to these question marks and it's like, okay, you got to here you have to find the two treasure chests here. You have to kill the guard captain and you have to kill the guard commander here that are in this like outpost. And when you do those things, you get a little bit of experience and you'd like check it off. It gets checked off on your map. Um, and I'm and I'm like doing that for I've, I played this game for about three weeks total. Um, about th I got 30 percent into the game, according to Ubisoft's little ticker that that is on their their launch their game launcher the speedometer um, they call it sure but i I've, you know i was like going to all these things and it and they also changed it the other weird interesting thing they did was in in previous assassin's creed games there was basically like you had an equipment set but it was stagnant and all you could really do would be upgrade the equipment you had uh, to make it stronger and and maybe do different stuff but they straight up made like an Assassin's Creed. They changed it into a loot game, colored loot, right? So there's blue, purple, and orange tiered loot, and they all have like different properties and stuff. So you're like getting loot as you're as you're murdering people and as you're opening these treasure chests and stuff. Um, and at first I liked it because it felt like there was some variety there. But then when you kind of dig into it, it's it's like a really really shallow system. Um, that doesn't actually add that much variety to the game and actually just kind of, in my opinion, gets in the way um, because it is not fleshed out enough. So you get a lot of loot, but it's all the same stuff. And that is just not interesting. It sounds like Final Fantasy 15. Sure. Yeah, sure. I could see that comparison. I, I never cared about any of the loot. It was all like... Nothing. Yeah, and... And you can like mess around with it. Um, you know, some weapons have a, like a longer range, like there's spears and heavy clubs and stuff like that. But it, like at the end of the day, there's not enough difference with the way kind of the weapons work and the combat works. And there's just so much loot that you're constantly having to break down and like deal with that. I just I was I was like, this is not interesting at this point. Right. So so the interesting part is the is the story and like the quests and, and, and the world really the world is the interesting part, the way that it looks. But I realized because they added they also added a system where you could mark a spot on your map and you could get on your camel and your camel just goes to that spot on the map. Um, I realized that what I was doing was I was marking a spot on my map. I was setting my camel on auto go. And then I was like looking at my phone or listening to a podcast while the camel was going there until it got there. And at some point I was like, I'm not actually even like I, the world has lost its enchantment for me now at this point. I'm not even like looking at this, this beautiful period. There's these, the pyramids of Giza in this game, beautiful. They look 
amazing. I'm not even looking at them anymore. I'm like, whatever, this doesn't matter to me at all anymore. And so now I'm, it's just like, it had turned into checklist the game. And once I realized that, um, and I realized that was how I was playing it. I was like, I do not want to play a game like this. Like this, this is completely uninteresting to me in terms of what I am looking for out of a video game. So I said, I'm done. I just, and I just like put it down. I was like, it's time to try something else. And that was my experience with Assassin's Creed. But um, it like, it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. But I think that that style of open world game for me, I think I might just be done. And I think this might have been like the last real kind of test for myself to see, is this something that I actually want to look at? But like, there's just, I don't know if there's not enough systems to engage with. Because at the end of the day, there's you know, they've had like ship combat in Assassin's Creed before. They've had like building up your ally. They've had like, a, in, there was one called Assassin's Creed Brotherhood where you like built up your allies. Like you had like an uh, an alliance of other assassins that you could like equip with stuff and you could call them in to help you with certain missions and things. And it was awesome. And like none of those systems are here. It's just this new loot system and kind of a larger open world than what they've made before. And then that's, that's it. And so I just, I realized at a certain point that I was kind I was bored with it and there was no way I was going to stick another 40 hours into it to see it through to the end. Um, if I was kind of already bored with it and you also can't mainline the main quest in it because there are level gates, which have never, they've, they've never had that before in Assassin's Creed. There's never been, there's, there's never been, an increase of power level. It was, it was just like, once you like you're an assassin, you, you murder people before they can see you. So like, you shouldn't need to like get stronger to do that. So, um, in, in this game though, they definitely made the, um, they made the decision to be like, okay, this guy's going to be level 30. And if you're level 20, you, no matter what, you literally cannot kill him. Um, and so you, you have to engage with some of the side stuff. And at a, like I said, at a certain point, I was just totally over the side stuff. And so I put that down. So that was my kind of like brief, torrid love affair with Assassin's Creed. I did, when I was sitting down to play video games, I, I would sit down and in the morning, I'd play that game for like an hour and a half, two hours at a time, which is a long session for me. Like I don't, that's about as long as I go um, playing a game at one time at this point. And so I was, there was a time when I was having fun with that game, but I think it just overstayed its welcome. It was just too, it was too much of that thing. I needed more. Yeah. So you said you just played the first, like seven of the first ones and then Ubisoft went and they were like, we got to like revitalize it or change it. How, what was the biggest difference between this iteration and like the previous ones? I, I think the biggest thing was it's just, it's spread over a larger area and they have added this, loot and level system like but that's it like the otherwise it's structurally pretty much the same yeah and the combat's completely different so okay they, they made before before combat was basically a, it was a it was it wasn't really a one button press combat but it kind of was right like square button was your attack button and you would just be able to if you had a flow going it was very rhythmic and if you had a flow going you could just you could you could literally murder like 20 people around you um, if there were 20 guards coming to fight you, you could murder every single one of them. And it was ridiculous and it was stupid and it was silly, but it was, it was very, very 
power fantasy, right? Um, this one is is very much um, everybody is aping Dark Souls now, so it's very much like that. So one of your shoulder buttons controls your shield, so if you have to kind of hold that down to keep yourself in a defensive posture for if somebody attacks you. Um, and then some enemies can do a shield break attack where you can dodge out of the way using the square button, right? If you're, or the X button, if you're, if you're on a different gamepad and you're, and you can like dodge away from those attacks. And those are kind of very, they're very apparent when those are coming. And then, um, the, the left trigger button aims your bow, whereas like the right trigger button will fire your bow and the right bumper button will attack with your weapon. So it's very much, it's, it is very Dark Souls in terms of how they made the combat. Not nearly as challenging, though, um, in terms of the way that stuff f- fights you. Um, and th- the combat makes it makes the combat more engaging, but also it just ends up being more tedious at the end of the day because if you go to a place and you have to kill eight guys and you can't do it stealthily, like in most stealth games, once once it hits the fan like you suddenly have all everybody there that you're fighting like face to face right it takes a lot longer to get through that large crowd of people um and so that like i don't want to spend 10 minutes doing that like kind of bastardized dark souls combat when there's lots of other games that simply do it better like Dark Souls. Uh, like Dark Souls. So, um, oh, and the other thing I didn't mention is they added a bunch of emergent stuff in the game. So, like, all of their systems can now interact with each other, which there were some really interesting moments. Like, I went to I went to this one question mark place, which was a an outpost, like, near the river, uh, near the Nile. And, and there was an alert that came up that was, like, savage animal attack. And I get there and there's there's like five guards at this little outpost and there are suddenly like 12 hippos that just come charging into the camp and just maul all of the guards. So there's like 12 angry hippos just mauling all of the guards and they killed them. The hippos killed all of the guards and I got credit for wiping out all of the all of like the the commander and the uh, the captain there in that particular outpost. So there is some like silly emergent stuff, which is it, like if that stuff happened more frequently, it, I might have been a little more engaged because it was super funny and interesting when it happened. And I loved that that was just a thing that could happen. But that was that was like the one memorable time that anything like that happened. So it was possible in the game. It just didn't happen enough. Yeah. What stands out to me about the flatness of it all is that I feel like the original Assassin's Creed, the big thing, right, was that shot of you standing on top of the tower and then like dropping down and then killing people, right? That was, that's like the hallmark of the whole thing. It's one of the most iconic, very iconic in video games in general, I think, but particularly for this series. For sure. So you're not, you're not standing on skyscrapers diving down on people, right? So did that feel like it detracted from it? Yeah, it it, like I can see what they're trying to do. I like the idea of of making it different. Um, but there uh, there is something about working through like a densely populated city that is that is interesting. And it, you know, it, it, I know I know Egypt at this time was like the center of 
of culture and it was the it was the center of civilization but it it is less interesting when it is not densely populated it just there aren't as many people around like there and there aren't as many you know there aren't as many factions kind of like working against each other and working with each other and uh, stuff is just too far away from each other um to like to be interesting to me and like you, you, the the first time that I looked at the world map when I realized how you're you start in this one little spot and you like move from thing to thing in this one little spot on this map and then you zoom the map out and you and I looked at it and I there are 20 different regions that are exactly like this and it took me like two and a half hours to clear out half of this region so I think to myself, this game, I could literally play this game for 80 hours, if not longer, if I wanted to do everything in this game. And I just don't. And I don't have that in me. It's the same reason why I have such a hard time committing to three-hour movies now. I can't, I can't watch it. Like, you have to have, you, you have to respect my time now, right? You have to respect my time. Th this all goes back to to the ethos of our podcast of having like a game life balance. And it is, it is not respectful of my time to have a bunch of busy work in your game and then make me engage with that busy work to become powerful enough to get further on. If you've got like an interesting story to tell me and I am able to just do that and still make it through the game and not engage with all of the side stuff that you did. Okay. You at least were able to tell me an interesting story in maybe a reasonable amount of time. But if I have to do all of this other side stuff, I am so off, so off board with that. Like if you are a director of a movie and you think that you need three hours to tell me whatever story you want to tell me, first of all, unless you are one of five, five directors in my mind, you are absolutely wrong. You do not need three hours. You do not need three hours. Kubrick gets a pass. I've got a, I've got a couple that that I would give passes to, but but if you are like an unproven director, I do not want to see a damn three hour movie from you. Like you haven't earned you haven't earned that right yet. Wait, um, didn't you watch the Green Knight? Yeah, I liked the Green Knight. That wasn't three hours. Maybe it felt like three hours to you. That wasn't a three it hour movie. <laughs> felt like three hours. Oh man, no, I get yeah, I, I get I get you. We we don't have to. We're too old for this. Yes. Too old for this stuff. Too old for this stuff. I'm too old for this stuff. There is some merit, though, to having a podcast game. I do like just kind of being able to listen to a podcast while I'm playing a game, right? Dude, so, okay, I was going to ask two things about it. One, I want to ask about Let's Plays in a second. But but I've I was I've been thinking about this a lot in the context of Final Fantasy XIV. Because once you've kind of cleared all the most recent content in a patch, you're essentially doing the same stuff over and over, right? Like, you'll run your weekly newest dungeon. That's most... MMOs. That's like how most MMOs. How most MMOs are structured. Yes. Yeah. If you've never played a massively multiplayer online RPG, yeah. Once you've kind of cleared stuff, there's eventually the latest dungeon will usually have some kind of loot, some treasure that you can get once a week, real Earth time, like like Tuesday through Tuesday. Once you get it, you have to wait until the following week to get it. So I go in and I do my weeklies. I do like two crafting and gathering deliveries, and I do the usually the the raid. And then a couple things, and then I'm done. So it, it takes like an hour, an hour and a half. And uh, the reason I bring this up is because, for me, part of me has been thinking, like, the stuff you're talking about, the side quests, like, it's it's so 
it's not, it's not, I'm not engaged fully in one way. Like uh, it's not hard. It's not like when I'm playing Hades, I have to think somewhat and react and I'm active the entire time. It's a sit forward game, not a sit back game. Yes. And what Final Fantasy 14 is very sit back. And so I've, I've struggled a little bit and thought to myself, like, like if I get a new piece of armor, right. That takes me four weeks to get, I'm like, all I did was trade time for this gear. I, I didn't, I didn't earn it by putting effort into the gameplay. I literally traded time. It's like, you got four hours out of me over four weeks and that translated to a piece of gear. And it, like, is that piece of gear really worth like that four hours of my time? It never is. But A, there's something meditative about the gameplay. And really, like I, I've said it on the show before, but like if, if I do like an edible or something, and I'm just like way out of it. I can just kind of like zen do it just repeatedly, uh, kind of automatically. And I can listen to a podcast to your point while I'm doing it. So that's kind of cool. But it's a very different thing than like, being actively engaged every second that you're playing a game. But I like the way that you pointed out that the having a pod, like a lean back game, you call it, cause you don't listen to like a, a podcast where you're playing Hades, right? I do. I do because you don't need the sound for that game actually. But what I would say, what I would say about your point to like MMOs is specifically that when you distill it like that, it sure is a depressing way to like think about playing a video game. Like I traded this time for this piece of armor. I, yeah. I, I would prefer not to think of it like that because there are like when you play, you are paying attention to damage meters. You are trying to optimize the way your rotation works when you're fighting stuff in that game. Like you're trying to be an excellent player of that game. The difference is just that you don't need to be an excellent player to complete the thing that you're trying to do. But that doesn't mean that like you can't have fun challenging yourself in some way that's true. right when you're when you're when you're playing that game whereas hades you like have to be good at the game like you have to be paying attention and be good to complete the game and those are two different those are two different things um and like there's so much else that goes into an mmo like i i just think i think it's it's way too reductive to be like i traded four hours for this piece of gear because there's so many other things that go into mmos where it talks that there's such a community aspect to those games um I mean, everything that you do at a certain point in those games has to be done in a group, right? Almost everything has to be done in a group. So there is like the reason why that game feels easy when you're playing it is because you've got four people that know what they're doing. But you know, as well as I do, that you can get into (laughs) you can get into a roulette, a dungeon with like, say, a tank that doesn't really know what they're doing and it is much more challenging. You may have to do a lot of different things to stay alive, right? Like you may have to use some cooldowns that you never really have to use when you're on some of your characters because the tank can't can't keep aggro or something like that in those games. So like the reason why it's easy when you're playing at certain points is because everybody knows what they're doing. But the minute somebody doesn't know what they're doing, the minute your healer doesn't know what they're doing, like it, it makes you then have to think on your feet and pay more attention to those games. So that's, that's fair. That's fair. And like, right. In the broader context, I get a lot out of that game for from sure. story to music, to commute, the fun memory, all that. Uh, so I, you know, it's not overall a, 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 a criticism of it, but it, it's made me think a lot about what I'm spending my time doing. And lately I have preferred to be more actively engaged via Hades, right? Like reacting, improvising more being, you know, having to raise rise to the challenge rather than, 
choosing to rise to the challenge. And the other thing is, like, honestly, if I did want to engage more in Final Fantasy XIV, I could just play healer because I am bad at playing healer. And if I play any current level content as healer, like I am, you know, because I play on the D-pad. And so if you've got, if you're playing on a controller, there's like two separate ways of targeting allies and enemies. And you have to watch, like your eyes are all over the screen. Like it's pretty intense. For I'm bad at it. You, you've you done a lot of healing. So I don't think it's just probably, a, you know, you're better at it probably. And you use mouse and keyboard. But, but anyway, the, my other thing I wanted to say about Assassin's Creed is from the way you talk about how beautiful it is. This sounds like another game. And I felt the same way about Elden Ring. I felt the same way about Dark Souls, honestly. And so many other games that just like, this is this is the type of game where at this point in life, isn't, isn't it just better to watch somebody play it? This game is not interesting enough for me to watch somebody play it. Like oh. the, Assassin's Creed is not at all interesting enough for me to watch somebody play it. The story is not interesting. The... The characters are not interesting enough. The main character is interesting. He's literally the only character that I am. And his wife. His wife is very interesting, too. She's she's uh, great. Is she so, hot? Sure. Absolutely. What color is her hair? Well, they are Egyptian. So they are dark, very dark skinned, black hair. Okay. It is not like whitewashed Jesus. Like they're 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 very Egyptian. Okay. Um, but yeah, it uh, it is not interesting enough for me to watch somebody play it. Now. I don't know if you've ever played Dark Souls, but I'm not. I've not. Yeah, like they're not comparable. Okay. Dark Souls is all about exploration and discovery, and there are interesting things around every nook and cranny of every area of every one of those games, and they are it. It is so rewarding of exploration. Um, I thought Dark Souls was all about the gameplay. That's like that's like a huge part of it too. The combat is in incredibly tight and very deliberate mm-hmm. um they're they're wonderful games they're made they're also really hard so if you're like not up for that and they're they're like hard in a way that they're hard in a way beyond like the way hades is hard but the thing is is they really really reward exploration and they reward you putting in the time to look at the world where a game like Assassin's Creed does not. And when I'm talking about like respecting my time, Dark Souls very much respects your time. Um, you could argue that some stuff is so hard that you have to like beat your head against the wall over and over again, die a bunch of times. And maybe some people feel like that's like disrespectful of their time. I think that is just a, you need to get better at the game, at the patterns of those, of those bosses, of those enemies to get past them, right? Um, so I think they're, I just don't think they're comparable. Um, but, but those games would be better to watch a let's play of because they are simply more interesting games and they're more interest. They're Assassin's Creed's beautiful, but it's not interesting. Those games are both beautiful and interesting. Okay. All right. So how many stars do you give it? I do give it one North star. Oh, Okay. Okay. But, and, and remember, the North Star is the most important one. And I don't know why that is. I think it's because it's really bright. Also, it's the end of the Big Dipper. Well, uh, that's lovely. Well, next week, we what, you're talking about this. You've been teasing this deep, dark, deep, dark, double deep, double seated, dark, double deep video game.tumblr.darkness. I'm going to actually be playing a bunch of that this this in the next couple of weeks. So I'm very excited just because I want to get back to it because it's so fun. 
He's talking about Deep Rock Galactic, and I have never talked about it, but I've played a lot of it. You mentioned it last week. You mentioned it last week, which if you missed episode 61, our triumphant return to podcasting, I highly recommend not going back and listening to it. No, we we have, we do not know what we are doing anymore. It's no, perfect, actually. And you, no. this is your job. This is your job. It's not, it's not, it's, <laughs> it's not my job. My job is to teach other people how to make good shows. It doesn't mean I have to make a good show. Uh, no, this is going to be a great show once I actually get in post-production and start editing it. It's going to be great. That's going to be tremendous. Can't wait. That's going to be tremendous. So since we don't do a Gun of Geek read at the end, I don't know how to close either. How did we do it last week? Oh, did you read the thing? I read, I did. I just read it. I read it start to finish, which I can do again. Do you always read it or do we used to alternate? I think we alternated, but you know, like uh, I am, I am better at reading than you, I think. Okay. All right. I'll jump in if you do anything wrong. Thank you. Should be a comma there. That's so loud. I'm Thank sorry. Can you was, start over? Was, that, why was that so loud? It was really loud. Thank you. It was, Thank, and thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, thank you for listening to the Game Life Balance US podcast, the American edition of the Game Life Balance podcast. Remember, we do have our sister show in Australia that does post episodes still, right? More thank like you. a brother show. Am I right? Hi, oh. No, it's been a minute, but they do. they do a better job. They do a better job. We just took a three-year break. They have posted sporadically over the last three years. Right. If you had fun, please tell one friend about our one. podcast. One. And that is all we ask. You can learn more about Game Life Balance, including our sister show in Australia at gamelifebalance.us, or check out Game Life Balance and lots of other geeky shows on Gonna Geek Network at gunnageek.com. Again, I don't know if Gonna Geek is still, I think they're still there. Right? No, they're around. They're, they're kicking. Around. They're alive and kicking. They're crushing it. Great. So like, maybe, maybe we can get back in their good graces by posting an episode in the next couple of years. You tell me. I talked to Steven and SP almost, and Chris Farrell, actually, from All Things Good and Nerdy, Weekly, if not daily, on Google Hangouts. That's fantastic. Yeah, so we're we're still around. They're dude, dude. They got better podcasting. You want to learn about podcasting? Don't come to me. Go to their show. I'm glad that you are curating relationships so that I don't have to. Thank you so it, much. It's their friends. There's the Gonna Geek show where they talk about things. SP mm-hmm. like does all the space stuff. It's great, man. They're they're good things. We are just we are just pilgrims. two astronogenists. Floating on the star sky in this vast universe of podcastery to endless oblivion. <laughs> Let's, uh, Let's record a quick intro. That's right, an intro. We said we were going to do an intro. I'm just going to do this. You didn't even need to say you do it. anything unless you feel like it. I don't want to know. I don't want to say anything. All right. This is all you. Today on Game Life Balance US, we talk about Cody. That's me. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> this is a really good intro. This is a really good intro. 